0: Uh, good evening. It is currently 5 30 p.m. in Washington, D.C., and the Eurasia Center cast is back after a short hiatus. Uh, viewers may have noticed that we've been gone for a little bit, and that's because as last semester was uh, coming to an end, uh, we had finals, activities, everything was busy, right? Uh, had some scheduling issues, um, but we are back in progress and are intending to have a big summer of uh discussions and topics moving forward so (laughs) we aren't done yet um i am the constant uh co-host casey chambers uh uh here as always uh but i do have to let listeners know that uh nick klein will no longer be with us uh he has some things going on in his life so while the podcast will be continuing uh, Nick will be taking a leave of absence. Uh, we, we we may see him back uh, at some point, but I can't guarantee that. And I'd like to thank him thank thank him from the bottom of my heart for helping us put out a good uh, semester of episodes. He was a great asset in helping the research center uh, with this podcast. Uh, moving forward, we now have some new co-hosts. We have Cole and Noah.
1: And Noah, uh, Cole, do you want to introduce yourself? everybody. As you heard, my name is Cole uh, Davila. I'm currently a rising 30-year law student down at St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas, where I'm also getting a degree, a master's degree in international relations with a concentration in national security and security studies, apologies. Uh, I went to undergrad also in Texas, uh, where I majored in history and uh, political science.
0: And uh, Noah, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Noah Brewster. I'm a junior student at the University of Buffalo. I am currently studying law as my undergraduate major, but I have a heavy interest in international affairs and relations, and I'm looking forward to being a part of this podcast.
0: Thank you, Noah. Uh, so... It has been a busy month in international relations. I'm sure we'll get to a bunch of topics. Uh, However, one of the most pressing matters has been uh, Belarus and the recent hijacking of the Ryanair flight with uh, Roman Prasetovich on it. And Noah, do you have some more uh, background on that?
2: Yeah, so on Sunday, May 23rd, a just a normal commercial Ryanair flight was supposed to go from Athens, Greece, to Vilnius, Lithuania. Sorry, uh, and it was shockingly diverted to Minsk, Belarus, following a, a later confirmed false bomb threat believed to be sent by President of Belarus Alexander Lukashenko. So. The belief behind this, and ultimately the reason that this flight was diverted, was because reporter Roman Protasevich was aboard and he has been wanted basically by Belarus authorities for uh, his role in covering protests and actively being able to start them and spread information about them. So, I just have a few things to say about. Bella, the Belarus president, Mr. Lukashenko, and journalists, uh, Mr. Protasevich. So basically, some just more information about the flight and its diversion. It, it, um, the uh, flight was uh, escorted by a military jet sent by President Lukashenko, and... This uh, diversion was just a ploy to detain uh, the journalist, uh, Mr. Protasevich. And so President uh, Lukashenko uh, first was elected in what seemed like a normal election, but since then he has lost his popularity and has now been called even a dictator and was even, uh, Belarus has been considered to be the last dictatorship till, last in Europe, and if uh, Casey or Cole, you have anything you'd like to add, go ahead.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, Belarus has been referred to as the the last dictatorship. Um, The um, Lukashenko regime has violently cracked down on protests uh, over the past year. Uh, with, there's a number of uh, political prisoners, uh, up to 400, according to report, uh, reporters uh, Sans Frontières. Um, <clears throat> and yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult situation in the country. Yeah, definitely. And
2: uh, so basically, just to jump ahead a little bit after everything that did go down this past weekend with the flight and everything, it has been condemned by many European Union countries and their leaders and even President Biden himself. So it is definitely not being looked well upon recently. And so basically the reason why Mr. Protasevich was so wanted by the uh, Belarusian regime is for his part, as I mentioned in the protests and so basically in 2019, after years of being just a freelance reporter, Mr. Prosevich fled Belarus in fear of his safety and he believed he'd be safer in the European Union. And so he helped find Nexta channel on Telegram, which he used to share information about protests and everything that was going on with that. And so under what is actually a capital offense in Belarus law about helping with protests. He was wanted, and the flight diversion was a purposeful ploy just to get him. And I know, Cole, you have a statement from the G7 you'd like to read, if you want to go ahead.
1: Yes, so the G7 obviously condemned um, the flight diversion, just as the uh, you did with the G7 saying, we, the G7, foreign ministers of Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States, which are the countries in the G7, um, and the high representative of the European Union condemned the strongest terms, the unprecedented action by the Belarusian authorities in arresting independent journalist Roman Pratavay, apologies, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, uh, Prat. Pratisevich, and his companion, Sofia Sopega, which I believe is his girlfriend um, and a Russian student as well, uh, after forcing flight uh, FR 4978, on which they were traveling, to land in Minsk, uh, the capital of Belarus, on 23rd of May. The action jeopardized the safety of the passengers and crew of the flight. It was also a serious attack on the rules governing civil aviation. All our countries and our citizens depend on every – on every state acting responsibly in fulfilling their duties under the Chicago Convention so that civil aircraft can operate safely and securely. We call on the International Civil Aviation Organization, the ICAO, to urgently address this challenge to its rules and standards. This action also represents a serious attack on media freedom. We demand the immediate and unconditional release of Rahman and as well as all other journalists and political prisoners held by Belarus. We will enhance our efforts, including through further sanctions as appropriate, to promote accountability for actions of the Belarusian authorities. Now, this was essentially echoed and almost verbatim, the same as what the uh, European The EU Council uh, stated they also condemned um, the landing, the diversion of Ryanair flight that uh, these two individuals were on. They demanded the immediate release of both individuals. They also called the civil aviation organization. Um, They started to look more into different possibilities of sanctions. They also called on airlines to start looking for ways to divert their flights around Belarusian airspace so that they can avoid this sort of thing happening in the future. They also are uh, looking into banning overflight of EU airspace by any Belarusian airlines, essentially blocking the entire EU um, and many other countries from Belarusian airlines. So Any, any aircraft wanting to fly through that airspace would be effectively prevented if the EU went through with this um, sort of thing. They also condemned the unjustified expulsion of Latvian diplomats from – uh, Belarus uh, clearly showing that there is tension between Latvia and Belarus and those countries do border on each other. And of course, that has all sorts of issues with Latvia's uh, inclusion into NATO as well as the EU. And, can, you know, it's a bit more of a complex situation than just this uh, airlines issue.
0: It, it really is a diplomatic uh, breakdown. Uh, Lithuania confirmed that they would be uh, expelling uh, to uh, Belarusian embassy employees. Um As a result of this uh, earlier, I believe it was today, actually, uh, a flight uh, from uh, a Belarusian flight uh, to France uh, was turned around in Poland because uh, France would not allow it into its airspace. Um, (laughs) uh, Remarkably, uh, a demonstration of how uh, denying overflight access is properly done uh, through ICAO standards. Uh, There's... uh, variety of concerns in the situation, certainly not the least of which is the fact that Belarus was targeting a journalist uh, critical of their government uh, flying from two EU countries on an EU uh, registered aircraft, uh, but also that uh, the uh, request for the plane to land in Minsk was made under uh, false pretenses, which is a a violation of uh, ICAO rules. Uh, there were even actually calls for Belarus to be uh, expelled or suspended from the ICAO as a result of this incident. Yeah, so we, it's oh, good. No, you, you go. Noah. I
2: was just going to say, yeah, it, it's definitely a unfortunate situation and something that should not have happened. And it's definitely going to affect Belarus's uh, connection and affairs with other countries moving forward. And it hopefully gets a closer international look at uh, President Lukashenko's regime and what's actually going on in the country and hopefully can lead to some improvements there and hopefully um, shedding some light on what's going
0: on. It's uh, certainly ramped up tensions, uh, both between uh, Belarus and its neighbors, but even with the US who uh, had a had a statement by Anthony Blinken condemning uh, the Lukashenko regime. Uh, it's it's striking that as the as international attention on the protests was winding down, uh, that <clears throat> the Lukashenko regime took such a uh, forceful action that you know brought Belarus back to the front page of news organizations everywhere. Uh, is there any particular reason why they would have
1: done this? I think that you know Belarus obviously has its own issues, kind of wedged between a two a very very powerful European bloc as well as uh, very powerful Russians. Obviously, this action you know can, gets a lot of condemnation from the Western world, but I think it might actually help push Belarus a bit closer to Russia, uh, makes them more favorable to the Russians, and possibly in some way. Um, so it might just be a a bit of a political ploy just to show more of a a pro-Russian side. Obviously, Belarus has always been pro-Russian, but this just sort of reinforces that and lets the world know that Belarus has power and authority and doesn't mind upsetting the Western powers as much, um, which obviously might make the Russians a bit more happy.
0: there, There was a point in time at which the... European Union thought that Belarus might be a intermediary state in the the same way Ukraine is. Um, And Ukraine has been sliding towards the West uh, ever since the, the Crimean invasion. And yet Belarus seems to have gone in the exact opposite direction. And this seems like a confirmation of that uh, with, you know, the, the European Union freezing out Belarus from the rest of Europe and, you know, Lukashenko has no friends, uh, except obviously, of course, Putin.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, I was going to say that uh, even then, um, I don't think that, I mean, while obviously the EU and everyone uh, condemn these actions, I think it's going to be a bit hard to prevent the overflight of Belarusian airspace. Um, in the long run, simply because of the geographical location of Belarus, obviously it's pretty much right between, um, the EU and Russia. So anyone, any flight trying to go through that area would either have to take a very costly and long diversion all the way around, um, that country just to stay within that uh, banning. I think eventually the economic costs of that are going to, things are going to go back to somewhat normal, maybe not for the Belarusian, um airlines, but I think for the regular individuals or individual airlines from other places of the world are probably going to start going back to normal probably within a few months, I would think um, just a, so I think this is a big deal, but at the end of the day, um, it's a, a political ploy. And I don't think it's going to change the situation on the ground quite as much as we might hope, or some might hope. anyway.
2: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: So, I, I had brought up the United States uh, and Anthony Blinken, of course, the, the Secretary of State as a player, but Noah, who are the, what are the, the players in this and what are their, their positions, if you would?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think um, a lot of it falls on the Belarus president, of course, and his decisions, but and the overall international community. I think it is up to European Union leaders and the countries around Belarus to make those decisions like France did with not letting the plane into their airspace and things like that. And if these leaders can show that we're not going to let what you did fly, it can start to change what they're doing and hopefully prevent it from happening again. And it is they are lucky with not forcing any other people off that plane like any greece residents or lithuanian rest residents who were on that plane or they i feel like they would have had an even bigger problem on their hands than what they do now
0: yeah i mean there were concerns about sovereignty to begin with just with <clears throat> uh, a flight from one EU country to another on uh, european union aircraft and that certainly would have raised uh, Stakes diplomatically, but also uh, for citizens, of course, it would have been uh, presumably much more public outcry um, from E residents if that had been the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, there were the it was 126 people on board the aircraft, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, something it was around that number. Yeah, and uh, of of the 126, there was, of course, um. Uh, <clears throat> there was uh, Protasevich, uh, Sopega, and then three other uh, people uh, uh, disembarked in Minsk, uh, and the Irish foreign minister, as well as the CEO of Ryanair, said that they believed that those were KGB agents. Um, for, for listeners who are uh, not tracking the security services of uh, ex-Soviet countries, which I'm not quite sure why you would. Uh, Russia, of course, has the, the FSB and the GRU as their uh, intelligence services. Uh, but Belarus, uh, being an ex-Soviet state, has maintained the um, infamous moniker of the, of the KGB for its uh, security service. So it's unclear exactly who those three people were, but it seems like the operation was even coordinated from uh, Athens and that they wanted to confirm that uh protosevich was on the plane before uh taking that operation
2: yeah and uh some news sources talked with some other passengers who were on the flight and it was definitely known by uh protosevich that as soon as it was announced that the flight was going to be diverted uh, to minsk he knew it was for him and he was uh showing that he was scared. And uh, one uh, passenger even commented that he uh, mentioned that he's going to get the death penalty if the plane lands in Belarus.
1: Yeah, I do wonder, though, um, while obviously the KGB agents there on the plane did indicate that they were looking to Divert the plane arrest to make sure he was on the plane. I do wonder why they waited so long to uh, divert the aircraft. The plane was diverted not far from the Lithuanian border. So that's quite a bit of time that they were in Belarusian airspace before anything happened. Um, So I wonder if maybe Belarusians were having some second thoughts about it. were considering whether or not to do it um, or if it was just a, a weird quirk of planning.
0: Even the the operation itself seems bungled, right? Mm -hmm. Hamas, Mm -hmm. which is not traditionally known for uh, bombing aircraft and uh, would not necessarily be looking to target a uh, Greek to Lithuanian uh, flight as a (laughs) a target of terrorism two days after signing a uh, ceasefire with Israel. Uh, was blamed by the Belarusians. But the email informing, uh, informing uh, I should say in air quotes, uh, because it's very clear this was a, a Belarusian operation and Hamas was not involved. And, and Hamas, of course, uh, denied any involvement in this because why would they? Uh, they had just finished a costly war. Why would they look to raise tensions even more, uh, especially against involved countries? But the email was sent 24 minutes after the plane was requested to be diverted. I am not a you know, special operations person, but that seems uh, like a significant mistake to make, especially uh, in, in such a important uh, mission for Belarus. Um, interesting, shall we say. Yeah. So what
1: is Europe's response likely to be, Cole? Uh, Europe's response is likely just going to be sanctions, um, not only against Belarus as a country itself, but also likely against specific individuals within the Belarusian government. Um, Lushenko, for example, he's most certainly going to get more sanctions than he has. Like you said, he's considered one of the last dictators uh, in Europe, um, so he's probably going to receive more sanctions. Than that is in a close circle. Probably directors of the intelligence agencies are going to have issues like that as well. Um, Europe banning the overflight of their airspace to Belarus is probably going to put a bit of an economic uh, stranglehold, at least on their airline industry, since that essentially blocks all routes west for any Belarusian aircraft. And they can't go west unless they fly way around north. They fly east through Russia and then up north or south around Europe. Um, But then again, Belarusian air, aerospace industries and civilian passenger airliners aren't isn't exactly a, a massive um, industry, so it probably wouldn't hurt Belarus all that much. So I think Europe's response is diplomatic pressure, but at the end of the day, because Belarus is already so isolated and already in Russia's camp, it's probably not going to end up doing a whole lot to get the release of these two individuals. It might prevent a death penalty, but I'm not. It, it it's it's up in the air as to whether or not the, the diplomatic pressure is going to be effective in Belarus simply because of the power dynamics in that region. Yeah, and
2: even if they can prevent the death penalty, there's already uh, damage done to Protasevich as um, it was a released confession of him confessing to uh, his involvement in the protest, but it was definitely you could see signs of beating and probably torture and people close to him and no one uh, commented that he was definitely under duress in the video and Regardless or not, if he ends up getting the death penalty, he's still gonna get some brutal treatment uh, detained by Belarus.
0: It seems as if there is, you know, a, not necessarily so much so a lack of desire, but a, a lack of capacity to respond to uh, dictators across the world. I mean, you've seen multiple instances in the last year or so of you know statements of condemnation additional sanctions being levied but very little change uh, to the situation on the ground and even the eu itself is divided on just how far to go right
2: yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, ahead. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say it's definitely a uh, collective action problem here with uh, who's going to do something is someone going to do something and it comes down to is it worth the risk to intervene or is it or are they not intervening on other countries as much as it would take to intervene so it really comes down to that and what will be done. Uh, Cole, if you had
1: something else to add? No, that's pretty much all I was going to say. You know, the EU as a, a bloc is very economically powerful, but at the same time, it's got very many different interests from all sorts of uh, countries, both large and small in there, and also the very nature of sanctions. You know, sometimes you can only sanction so much before the sanctions start, stop doing anything, and sanctions might actually end up hurting the average people in Belarus far more than they hurt the leadership that they're meant to to harm. And it's one of the you know one of the various debates as to whether or not sanctions are morally correct or accurate is you know whether or not it's worth hurting the people of Belarus because the government is doing something wrong. After all this, these individuals were arrested for protesting against the government, trying to fight to get rid of the government. So it's kind of weird to bad to sanction the country and essentially punish the people because of the government they were already protesting against did something wrong. So it's, it's hard to say exactly what else the EU is going to do in the future. Sanctions are, sanctions are easy to do. And it's a good, um, it's good rhetorical device, but it's not clear how effective or how far they'll go.
0: Sure. The, uh, The European council on foreign relations, which anyone familiar with the, uh, with the think tank community in DC will know the, the Council on Foreign Relations. That's their European counterpart. Put out a um, position paper uh, outlining potential ways that the EU could uh, seek to provide assistance to the people of Belarus while at the same time putting pressure on Belarusian citizens. Uh, for example, uh, uh, making Schengen zone visas easy to get, um, as well as on uh, access to European universities for for young people, but you know the, the country itself is still under the control of the the dictator, and part of how uh, Lukashenko remains in power, of course, is uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, Belarus is, uh, you know, has very few allies, but uh, a lot of its sovereignty rests upon uh, Russia. The two countries actually um, signed a uh, <clears throat> treaty uh, trying to create a treaty of union between um, both of them as a, as a single entity of sovereignty with a you know, common currency and uh, a common legislature. This is, you know, in the past 20 or so years not advanced uh, far based on a lot of uh, concerns. Uh, Luk- Lukashenko originally um, thought about it as an idea too, you know, take power himself with Yeltsin being unpopular. But you know, the, the situation has changed markedly since then. Uh, but what hasn't changed is how weak Belarus is. Uh, even with this instance getting worse, uh, you've had protests, you've had sanctions. And as there's significant threat to Lukashenko's rule in Belarus uh, as a dictatorship, you need someone to shore up your position of power, right? Um, Putin has actually, in the last couple of years, been trying to move uh, forward with this union, uh, putting pressure on Lukashenko to accept uh, further concessions. And while Russia is willing and able to protect its allies, for example, the one and a half billion dollar loan that uh, Russia pledged to Belarus uh, last September, which was an economic lifeline for the uh, Lukashenko regime as Lukashenko's position gets more and more contested that gives more uh capacity for Russia to act
1: yeah it it seems like he's in a weird position where you know he obviously he wants to be very close to the Russians because they the ones that keep him in power but at the end of the day um he can't go too far because he doesn't want to lose his own power um and obviously Putin is a strong man in his own right so The Russians pushing for this union means that it's now weakening Lukashenko's power base, but if he doesn't go through the union, his power base is also weakened. So he's somewhat between a rock and a hard place, and I wonder if his – if this action was also – if this action deporting – or detaining, sorry, these uh, two individuals was a knee-jerk reaction of just a hope of showing his power still in the face of, like you said, ever-increasing um, challenges to his, the power that he does hold.
0: I presume that we all believe that Putin had uh, forewarning about this uh, incident that Lukashenko wouldn't take us on his own, correct? Does, does anyone disagree yeah. with that conclusion?
1: No, I agree. <laughs> I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I think it's it's likely Putin knew, but I'm not sure it was necessarily a you know, something direct. I'm sure Putin's uh, security a- agencies knew what was going on, but it seems I mean, Russia has obviously been very antagonistic, but it seems like Russia would be kind of going on on a bit of a limb for something like this. Um, Russia doesn't benefit a whole lot from it. Um, I and mean, yeah, they get more from Belarus maybe in the end, but it's also, it's Belarus. Russia has more pressing concerns, I think, than reinforcing a country that's already within its its grip its grip um, by a significant degree Um, so I'm I'm not sure honestly
0: well if there are any doubts as to how far uh, Belarus was in Putin's hands there are no further I don't really envision a way in which Lukashenko could remain in power and you know seek out much of any ties to the European Union or the West I agree yeah so what does the the path forward look like is it just more of the the same i think
2: uh belarus will definitely be more directly on the radar of the eu and some of the countries close by but honestly like you've mentioned before if if much will be done or not it's hard to say, and probably not much will
1: actually come of it. I agree. I think there might be some changes to airline industry and, um, you know, when and where flights go. But other than that, I don't think there's going to be much regime change or anything other, or any other kind of significant economic uh, changes.
0: And unfortunately, that's my take as well. It is... It, at least disheartening and potentially disconcerting that there's you know a limit to the the strength of the liberal international order here um Lukashenko uh, I think this actually potentially increases the risk of him uh, being unable to remain as the leader of Belarus or if he does that he is a symbolic puppet figure under Putin uh, especially um. Once Russia really uh, clamps down on them hard about that that union that Putin wants, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. And you know, the entire world can say uh, release protasevich and that is not going to happen. Yeah. So, you... do we have any final thoughts before we sign off? Well, um, I would just like to say thank you again to the listeners for supporting the Eurasia Center. Uh, Thank you again to Noah and Cole for coming on and joining me. Uh, I think they've done a great job in their first episode, so thank you guys. Uh, Looking forward to uh, having more of these. And to our viewers, I wish you a good morning, a good evening, a good afternoon, or good night. And... Peace.